If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. International Horse College's motto is People Safety and Horse Welfare, and you'll find this message throughout our chats. Registered Training Organisation number 31352. Our guest today is Karen Owen. Karen's an eventing specialist, coach, trainer, and has been a competitor, international three-day eventing competitor, and she was shortlisted for the Sydney Olympics. She's also a racehorse trainer and a track work rider and has a warm blood stud and thoroughbred stud with her vet husband. However, what we want to talk to Karen about today is the fact that she's a retired sergeant and she was a senior riding instructor at the New South Wales Mounted Police. We'll talk about that a bit later in the interview. How are you today, Karen? I'm very well, thank you, Glenneth. Good. Karen, we normally start off with a favourite quote. What have you got for us? Well... I just thought of, if nothing goes right, go left. <laughs> yes, it's good alternative. Yeah, things go wrong and nothing seems, that doesn't always go to plan, so you've always got to have a, a backup plan. <laughs> and someone taught you that, is it something you read? Can you give us an example of when you've actually used it? Well, actually, I just read that on, you know, when you drive past businesses that have quotes out the front yep. of their premises, and I just thought, oh, that was really good. And just I've just found over the years, you know, as I said, that, you know, things don't always go to plan with horses and something will go wrong or they'll get a, you know, you're always going to have a hiccup. So you've, yep. you've just got to do something different and sometimes or take a different tack with horses in some, yep. in some respect. Yep. All right, Karen, tell us about when what your first memories are when you first started with horses. Well, uh, I can just always remember being horse mad, one of those horse mad little girls. Yep. My family had nothing to do with horses at all. Um, I grew up in suburban Sydney, but I was just always horse mad and just drove my parents mad, asking, asking, asking for a horse. So I guess eventually they let me just go and have riding lessons. Mm -hmm. I was about 11. And then they thought I might get sick of it and grow out of it, but I didn't. And uh, eventually they got me a horse and I was was just over 14. So I was, I guess, a relatively late starter owning my own horse. Kept it in the backyard at, at West Ride. So it was a, quite a non-horsey mm-hmm. area, but there were a few other horses, so the odd horse around. Mm-hmm. used to be a uh, sort of market garden area not too far away, a few empty yep. paddocks or plots of land where people just used to put their horses in. Yeah, and I um, used to ride to Pony Club, to ride, ride Pony Club. That was about an hour's ride to get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to ride to school, <laughs> a bit of a novelty, and just hobble the horse on the school oval during the day so the school was quite uh, quite good in letting me do that yep yep good what about because I know you've come down a little bit of a different you know route because you got involved with horses through the mounted police did you ever work with horses when you're at school when you first started work what was your journey there Oh, well, while I was at school, I was going to pony club mm-hmm. with my horse, and that was basically the only introduction I had with horses because yep. my family had been to horses. And then I basically I went straight into the police force after school. I had to wait a few months until I was old enough. So, you know, I had to work when I was at school to pay for the fee, and 
eventually, and when I started work in the police force, back then, I did 12 months at a general So mm-hmm. as soon as I started working and earning enough money, then I bought myself a float and bought myself another horse, a younger horse then, which I broke in myself, and started to do a few more competitions because I was able to. I mean, before I had a float and when I had my horse at Pony Club, I, I was quite crazy and used to ride to a lot of the events. So I rode from Westside to St Ives to go in a, a local show. Yep. How long was that ride? Oh, that was about four hours yep. to get to St Ives. And mm-hmm. I rode to um, Blacktown to go to, Black, to, go to Jim Carner's. As I said, we didn't have a float. Neither of my parents drove because my dad in England, he'd had a stroke. So I just had to ride everywhere I went. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I guess my parents, not being very horsey, probably didn't realise that that was dangerous. <laughs> so I was quite lucky to get away with that, I guess. There's no way I wouldn't ride through the city streets that far. But um, anyway, that's what I did. I was quite keen. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so I started work, you know, when I was um, 19 that I was able to get afloat and start to go to a few more competitions. Yeah, and then because you sort of kept going, I mean, because you ended up being shortlisted for the Olympics. How old were you then? Oh, gosh, that was well, 2000, so that was quite a while ago. So that was, um, yes, early 30s, yep. Yeah, but that's still not too bad, you know, 14-year-old, your own horse, and not a lot of support in the way of, you know, we'll take you there, we'll, you know, you sort of pretty much had to get out and do it all on your own. Yeah. Yeah, yep. the first horse I bought after when I left school was a yeah, thoroughbred that I broke in myself. Yeah, probably didn't really know what I was doing. Luckily, he was quiet and uh, uh, started competing him. And I competed him up to one star. Mm-hmm. And um, then I started because I was working. I could afford to get some lessons. So I got some lessons from uh, Robert Stewart and, and then Stuart Tinney. Mm-hmm. You know, they helped me get get going in, in the eventing world. And then joining the Manor Police, I think that really helped me, even though it's not actually competing, but just more horse experience. So how did you, because I'm going to ask you about the skills required to get into the Mount of Police. If someone's interested in getting into the Mount of Police, what do they have to do? What sort of core skills or character traits do they need before they're, you know, to even think about a career like that? Yes, well, basically you have to join the police force Mm-hmm. First, so you have to have obviously a clean criminal record. You have to be physically fit. You have to have reasonable education standards, and you join the police force. And you have to do two to three years at a station in general duties before you can request to go to the mounted police. Then to get into the mounted police, you then apply, um, and there's a riding test and a third fitness test to get in. The riding test itself, it's not a bit super hard test. You don't have to be an expert rider, but you have to be a confident rider. Mm-hmm. That's what the matter are looking for, just confidence, because as long as you've got, you know, a bit of natural ability and not, not a nervous rider, then you'll continue to improve and with the lessons mm-hmm. and make a, a good matter trooper. Yep. Once you get in, it, the training is at least four months training before you actually go on the street. And so the riding test is designed... You know, it's just all done in an enclosed arena yep. and on our quieter horses. You know, it's walk trot, basic walk trot canter, over a few jumps. They're only quite small jumps. They're only about 60 centimetres. So it's just basically show that you've got control of the horse. Through some bending poles, 
But the thing that sometimes brings people under is you've got to do it bareback as well. Mm-hmm. And that is a good test for just having a bit of natural balance and a bit of confidence. Yes. To be able to just pop over a little jump bareback. Yep. Yeah, and then you'll get in if you, yep. so if you can pass the test. Pass the fitness test as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fitness test like the shuttle run, which is a fairly standard sort of type of fitness test, and a few abdominal strength, hand grip strength tests. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you're reasonably fit and you train a bit, you shouldn't have any trouble with that. Okay. What's the best thing about working in the Mounted Police? Well, I mean, I just absolutely loved it. I mean, it's a, if you want to work with horses, mm-hmm. working with horses, I think it's the best job in the world. You know, I was there for, what, 33 years in the Mounted Police. Yep. Loved every minute of it. It's different all the time. There's always something different happening. You're training horses, lots of different horses, combined with obviously doing the police work. Yep. I feel like, you know, you're really helping the community. You're playing an important role. Mm-hmm. Society, uh, you know, some basic patrols, crowd control, and crowd management, public relations as well. Mm-hmm. So many different aspects. We travel a fair bit. Yep. Yep. Kind of Sydney, okay. but we cover New South Wales. Yep. All right, that sounds good. Yeah. What about what was the decision to go into the Mounted Police? Were you always going to join the police force, and because you had the interest in horses, this was just an obvious choice? What was the decision there? Well, basically. I just wanted to do something with horses. You know, okay. When I was a teenager, I thought, oh, I'll be a jockey. You know, I'd, you know, just something where you can work with horses. But I got too tall. Yep. And in year 12, still not knowing what I was going to do when I left school, I just heard in the media that they were going to accept women in the Mounted Police because there'd never been any women in the Mounted Police. It was okay. one of the last sections of the police force to actually accept women. And then it's sort of like a, a light bulb went off in my head. I thought, ah, that's what I'll do. <laughs> Yes. Join the Mounted Police, something that, you know, I'm tall. Back then you had to be tall to be yes. in the police force. And I thought, great, I can ride horses for my career. <laughs> I, I hadn't thought of police work before. You know, mm. I just thought something to do with horses. And I thought, oh, how will I go doing general duties? But, you know, when I actually started doing general duties, I was working at Darlinghurst and um, I actually loved it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess when you're young and it's all exciting and you know you're doing good work for the community yeah. I quite enjoyed that as well so good. Good. Uh, sometimes it puts people off that want a, a career with horses thinking that they've got to do two or three three years at a station first mm. but as I said you'd be surprised that you know once you get in there the time goes quick and, it, and it's, it's, it's quite a, a good job anyway just doing police work and um, yep. Yep. being in the police or whether in the mounted police or not you can all change avenues you can mm. go to a different section if you, yep. if you find you don't like something. Yeah. All right. And what about someone who might have helped you in your career or helped you make other decisions or, you know, just helped you along that way? Yes. Um, well, I found um, the first boss in the, that I had in the Mounted Police, Senior Sergeant Don Rowland, he, you know, I have a lot of respect for him. He's, he's now deceased. But um, as a boss, and, and even though he actually was, you know, from the old school and the police force, not wanting women to be in the in the mounted police at all. But when you know, there was a few girls there, and when I started, and um, he actually seemed to come around and and was quite good, and did give the girls there quite, you know a good opportunity. So, mm-hmm. and he was a very competitive type of person. So I think he could see in me that I, you know, I wanted to compete with horses as well. So I yep. competed obviously outside of work, and he was a competitive person. He's his daughters were top netball players and he coached netball to a high level. Mm-hmm. So 
he was quite good in supporting, you know, allowing me to get the weekends off to compete when I could. Oh, good. And also allowed me to um, compete on a police horse, yep. which has not been done again since. So, mm-hmm. And that just gave me an extra horse that I could compete on. So, you know, rather than just competing on my own one horse, just another horse, you know, mm-hmm. my own as years went by. I was competing on a couple of horses, but to be able to also compete on a police horse, you know, just the more horses you can compete on, the more experience you get. So he sure. was very good like that. Mm. Who do you think's the horse who's influenced you the most then? Yeah, well, my best horse, yep. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> okay. Would you like to say his name? Yeah, Antigua. Yep. Paddock name, we called him Bradman because his, his racing name was a cricketing term. His racing name, not a very flash one, was Underarm because <laughs> 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 he was a, by a stallion called Match Winner. So it was um, named after the famous or infamous Underarm yes. bowling mm-hmm. um, incident. So we just called him Bradman at home. Yep. So we named him Antigua. Actually, my husband named him because he helped me find the horse. When we were looking for a good horse, we looked for ages. And my husband's a very good judge of a good good horse. Mm-hmm. So he just thought that he was a, a good type and looked like a likely type to make a top-class eventing horse. So, yeah. And he was right. <laughs> Even though he hadn't actually evented at all, he'd mm-hmm. been retired off the track, unraced. He'd had barrier trials, but I think he was just too slow. Okay. Yeah. So what was your proudest moment with him then? You know, if you think of one moment that made you the proudest, what would that have been? Well, I guess probably when I won my first major competition, which was a two-star competition at Lock and Bar, mm-hmm. when, you know, that's what sort of all of a sudden propelled me to get onto the long list, forget what it was called back then, mm. A-Squad. Yep. To get noticed. Yes. Know, winning that star event, he was just super. He was such a good horse. And from then on, then I was able to get further coaching, you know, because being on the, the A-list, getting more coaching from the, the top coaches. My dressage needed improving. And back then Heath Ryan was coaching the squads and um, he was fantastic. And as most people know, you know yep. he's such a good motivator and, you know, really helped me improve my dressage out of sight. So. Good. Now, that was what started me off. But then, of course, when I got to go to New Zealand, when I was actually on an Australian team, that was, you know, very exciting. Mm-hmm. So thinking about that, you know, you've sort of talked about a couple of challenges, which might have been that, you know, you had to wait so long to get into the Mounted Police and then having females in the Mounted Police was a new thing, a relatively new thing. Has there been any other challenges that you think along the way? Well, in the Mounted Police, I mean, it's initially the Mounted Police, before I joined, mostly only doing public relations. They weren't doing street patrols back then. Mm-hmm. And then when they brought the street patrols back in, I guess like the night patrols at King's Cross were down at the rock. The girls weren't allowed to go. Okay. So I thought, oh, that's too hard for the girls to work, you know, down there at the night. We need the, the real good riders, the men riders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but eventually, as more and more girls joined and... And the girl said, well, look, you know, we're just as good. We can do that. So yeah. it sort of gradually changed and it just sort of evolved as, uh, you know, in society. Mm-hmm. Women are gradually more and more roles. All right. Now, thinking about, you know, and this is in your role as a senior riding instructor, when the yep. riders come in and you've talked about the test and them riding bareback, going over jumps, doing, you know, showing that they're confident, confident riders, what are the biggest things that you need to work on to get 
them going over that four months, over that period to get them so they're ready to ride out? Yes, well, depends. Some of them, like, obviously we get some riders that are more experienced than others. Yep. So ones with more experience obviously can get through it a fair bit easier. But the thing is they've got to learn to ride as a team as well. So, you know, we do do trip drill, a lot of trip drill. So rather than it's not just individual riding. So that's what a lot of people then have that haven't done. I mean, some people that have done a lot of pony club may have done some trip drill at pony club, but a lot of people haven't done a lot of that riding as a team. You know, and you can't, you have to canter right on this mark or you know, not when you take you know, three or four strides to set your horse up, you know. So you've got to be able to ride and riding different horses, that's the thing. And they're all, they're big, strong horses, you know, they're not quite bomb-proof horses as a lot of people might think, but, you know, because they're police horses, they're super quiet. They're just horses. So, you know, some are better than others and some riders suit certain horses. So our more experienced riders go on to the green-up horses and the new people come in, they generally ride the older horses. So, and then they've just got to learn to ride them, as I said, with a group of horses because a lot of our training and the troop drill training is important for when we're doing crowd control. You know, that you mm-hmm. have to ride in a, in a troop in crowds. Of course, horses being a herd animal, that keeps them confident. You know, yep. We would never ride a horse out on its own, you know, into a, a volatile situation. Mm-hmm. They've always got to be with other horses, and that way you're not scaring the horses. They get confidence from the other horses and the riders. So that's what, you know, the, um, I guess, learning about how horses cope mm-hmm. in those situations is what we're sort of training the riders during their training. Yep. Um, they do a lot of training in the menage arena at work and then we, we train out in Centennial Park, equestrian area there, and also out at Ramwick Racecourse, actually, we're lucky to be able to use the infield there. So we've got a, a very large open area, which is great for having the, the people who have control of the horses in a large open area, you know, could be cantering around a group of horses doing some fast counting, doing some galloping. So that really improves, you know, their riding ability and their confidence. Um, and being able to handle horses, you know, at, at pace. Mm-hmm. Even though working on the street, you're just mostly walking, but still, you know, if something goes wrong or, you know, the fireworks going off, there's a big crowd, um, a big garbage truck makes a huge bang right behind your horse. You've got to be able to then settle the horse and keep it confident and keep it calm keep it doing its job so you're not risking not only yourself but the public around you on the street um, and you're in a, especially if you're in a big crowd you can't have the horses you know shying or jumping sideways and accidentally you know standing on a small child or yes. you know knocking over a pram or something so what about the horses themselves what sort of horses get accepted into the Mounted police. Do you have a certain criteria that they've got to be certain height, certain colour, or where do you get them from? Yes, well, traditionally uh, the horses are all bay or brown, mm-hmm. and, and we're the oldest mounted police force in the world, continuous mounted police force in the world. So we have a proud tradition, and part of that is the horses, you know, all bay or brown, and they've got to be 16 hands or over, obviously because they're carrying, you know, Varying size riders, but all adults, so you need a reasonably sized horse. So they're all 16 hands or over, and showing some thoroughbred qualities. That was always the old traditional police horse. 
Yep. When I first joined, they're actually all racehorses, ex-racehorses, pretty much, because we completely relied on donations. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, over the last 15 years or so, we've been buying horses. Well, actually, since before the Olympic Games, we've been buying horses, have the budget to buy some horses. So that's been fantastic in enabling us to buy, you know, rather than taking horses straight off the track, can buy some horses that already had some education. Yes. And they're not necessarily straight thoroughbreds. We quite often, we have now, we have quite a heavy horse crosses mm-hmm. uh, and some warm blood stock horses if they're big enough. Um, yeah, and that way, you know, as a rule, the heavy horse crosses tend to be a bit calmer in nature. Okay, yes. But I think that, that we still have the odd thoroughbred, and, you know, and some of the, our older horses, our best horses, are still thoroughbreds. I mean, they're mm. all different. Yep. Generally, you know, the advantage of them, I guess, is that if they've been around and in crowds and things at races, sometimes, you know, ones that are good, they're quite good with crowds. Yeah. But sometimes the thoroughbreds have a bit of trouble standing still, you know, on, on the street. Sure. But any horse we take, if, if we're buying them, but we uh, we take them on trial. So mm-hmm. you've got to try them out. Uh, you can't tell if they're going to make a good police horse until you actually try them. Mm-hmm. So. There might be a, a, an excellent horse to ride and might a top dressage horse or, or a top jumping horse, but the difference with the police horse, they've got to be able to cope with the atmosphere. That's the, the big telling thing when you're out on the street and it's a big crowd and there's a lot going on, a lot of noise or a protest happening. You know, some horses just don't handle that atmosphere. So okay. when we try try them, you know, we start them off around you know, basic education in, in our arena and then we take them out to float them out to Centennial Park and we take them around a few quiet back streets but always with another horse and when they go out for the first time they go out with an older like you know we've got quite a few old experienced horses you know he could be a 20 year old horse be taking out the new and they definitely learn off the other horse mm. um, the other horses come, then they sort of think oh well maybe there's too much to worry about here. So, yeah yeah, so it's very hard to find suitable horses with not only the temperament. Yep. Soundness is a big thing. It's really hard to find horses that are, are very sound because it takes to fully train the police horse, depending on the horse and mm. how much training you had beforehand, you know, anything from one to two years yep. to fully train them. And, um, you know, we want them to last and we need them to last, you know, at least 10 years, you know, so... We keep them as long as we possibly can, as long as they're fit and well and healthy and happy. But to ensure that, we'll hopefully get them very sound to start with. You know. Yeah. So yep. we find the thoroughbreds, if they are sound, uh, are finishing racing, that they usually stay quite sound. Do have had a few problems of like some of the heavier horses tend to um, sometimes have a few soundness issues. Mm-hmm. So now we tend to x-ray a lot of them before we buy them just to and, you know, I mean, can never guarantee it, but to rule out you know, some of those degenerative bone diseases in their feet and pastons and things that sometimes, you know, working, you know, in full work when yep. they're in the stables, they get worked a fair bit and working on the roads. So it's quite important to be found there. Okay. Well, that's good. And Karen, I know that you're retired now, but you're still going back as a volunteer in policing, VIP, as an instructor and consultant for the Mounted Police. What else have you got? You know, you're sort of doing that. You're retired full time. You're still going back as a volunteer. What else are you doing horse-wise? 
Yes, well... Um, I was going to say, because you've got to start as well, haven't you? You've got some young horses coming on. Yes, so we've got, um, got a, a, a farm near Wingham and uh, breeding a few warm bloods and a few thoroughbreds with my husband, Adrian, and his passion, I mean, he's a horse vet and he's, you know, he's always been passionate about racing as well. So um, I've got my trainer's license now, so... Um, training racehorses mm-hmm. and still uh, riding. I've got a, a couple of warm bloods that I'm riding, doing dressage and been doing some low-level eventing. Haven't got up to a high level again. But, yeah, training, going to the racetrack uh, five or six days a week, working the racehorses either at the track or at home. Okay. Well, it sounds, it sounds pretty busy anyway. You you know, you're keeping yourself busy. Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. So I'm riding. Of, you know, four or five horses every day. So it keeps me fit. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, you know, I still like to get out and compete. Much, you know, challenge at the moment. I'm still doing, um, you know, a bit of eventing and a bit of a challenge. I wanted to do some more dressage. I'd mm-hmm. like to um, have a go at getting up to Grand Prix dressage. So even though I've competed at eventing, you know, four um, yep. I've competed at dressage for Grand Prix. So I'd like to do that a bit of a challenge. Yep. Yep. Okay. That's good. All right. Now, Karen, before we go, can you summarise your philosophy with horses? Oh, well, I guess basically you, if you're going to do anything with horses, you've got to be passionate about it and it's a lifestyle rather than just a hobby. So it really does take over your life. And I guess one of the important things I think is, or as a bit of advice, is that you get expert advice. Mm-hmm. with anything to do with your horses whether it's riding you know you've got to get lessons from a qualified expert instructor in the field that you're wanting to go in or whether it's feeding or any lameness issues or problem with your horse you've got to get expert advice and get the right horse when you're getting a horse I mean that's one of the bugbears of mine is just being I mean my children ride as well and you know and so I have a fair bit to do with pony club. All the so many people get unsuitable horses mm. um, in the horse world. So yep. you know, your pleasure riders. You know, not necessarily people riding at the top level, but you know, get unsuitable horses. And then there's a lot of injuries. I really hate seeing people get get injured. I know horse riding is a dangerous sport. We all know that. Mm. But keep it as safe as possible. Them, yeah. Yeah. A lot of them are avoidable and a lot of it is and just through ignorance really and I guess you know parents of children that don't don't know any better I mean Mm -hmm. I was very lucky my parents had nothing to do with horses I'm very lucky that they got the riding instructor to find me a good horse Mm -hmm. so that's the thing I see a lot and get get asked and now currently to a lot of people with unsuitable horses and then they might ask their friend who's got a horse to help them find a horse. But the friend who's got a horse is not necessarily an expert. No, no. And sometimes the friend will find a horse that's suitable for them, but not necessarily for the person who wants the horse. Yeah. 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 All right. Look, Karen, I'd, I'd love to get you back again, possibly to talk about that particular, you know, about finding the right horse and making sure that it's safe and the safety aspects. It would be great. But meanwhile, I'd have to say thank you very much for coming on and talking about being in the Mounted Police, talking about the training for the riders and the 
types of horses you need and you know all the other things in between so thanks for coming on today and talking to us thanks Brian it was my pleasure bye bye okay bye now if you've enjoyed this chat then please comment rate and subscribe if you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests then please contact us through horsechats.com and while you're online have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.